Welcome to season three of the Fit Farming Food Mom podcast. I am Connie Nightingale, a former bodybuilder, certified personal trainer and nutritionist with an extreme passion for functional health and fitness. There is a huge problem these days with the standard health narrative. The current allopathic medicine, fitness theories, and nutrition guidelines are completely missing the mark. Through this podcast, I have been able to get uncensored, unfiltered knowledge out to the masses to help anyone. No matter if you're an average Joe or an elite athlete, I want to provide you with valuable knowledge to help you achieve your health and fitness goals. Remember, the best way to support this podcast is leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and sharing with your friends and family or tagging me in your stories or posts on social media. Let's get this health movement out to others. Thank you so much again for joining me. Now let's get to the show. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode. I feel like I am totally on top of it because this is the second episode that I have done in a row on a Monday, so I'm doing pretty good. Today, I am super, super excited because I have Dr. Becky Campbell coming on the podcast. We have kind of played tag as far as getting her on the show, uh, had events come up, had to reschedule, so I'm so lucky that we finally get to chat with her. She is a board-certified doctor of natural medicine, and she was initially introduced to functional medicine through her own stuff she had going on, much like all of us, right? We get into the health space because... We have something going on and our investigations into it open our eyes to all sorts of things. I know so many healthcare professionals and practitioners that are in the functional and integrative slash slash naturopathic space that their mess becomes their message. So I'm really excited to have her on the show today. She's going to talk about histamine intolerance. Uh, We're going to touch on some mast cell activation and all of that fun stuff. Uh, She also is the host of the Health Babes podcast, so you can jump on over and check out her stuff for more information that is just not related to only histamine intolerance, but all sorts of other biohacking topics. Before we get going on the podcast, I do want to remind you guys that the offer is still available to try out a free sample pack of my favorite electrolytes, LMNT. All you have to do is pop on over to their website at drinklmnt.com forward slash Connie. That will take you immediately to a landing page where you will be able to order your own sample pack that comes with all the flavors, including the plain one and the spicy ones. I'm not a huge fan of the spicy ones. I do, however, absolutely love the chocolate and I also absolutely love the watermelon. So this is a great way to encourage yourself to drink water every day. And also, I think a lot of people's headaches that they get and the symptoms that they get, heart racing, like there's so many things, right, that are linked back to electrolytes. And pink salt is a great way to solve that. Fortunately, you get everything in these. You get sodium, potassium, and magnesium. And it's actually a great pre-workout as well. And people laugh at me when they're like, what do you use to for, at the gym to get your pump? And I'm like, uh, sodium, electrolytes, LMNT, here, try one. I usually have a whole gym bag full of them. So pop on over, check it out. They taste great. They encourage you to drink water. They keep you from getting those pesky headaches and all of the other low sodium and electrolyte symptoms. So drinklmnt.com forward slash Connie to get your free sample pack. Now, without further ado, here is Dr. Becky Campbell. 
All right, Dr. Becky, so excited to finally have you on the show. We've played a little bit of tag. First, you were sick, then I was sick, then, you know, all the things. So busy entrepreneur moms, it's always fun to try to catch each other. So I'm so thankful that we're finally connecting. I am too. And I appreciate you putting up with all my schedule changes. (laughs) It seems like it was a back and forth deal. Wasn't just you. (laughs) Good. Okay. I don't feel so bad. (laughs) So I'm super excited to have you because we're going to talk about a new subject that we have not ventured into on my podcast, which is histamine intolerance. And you are the queen of all of that stuff. And so I want you to first kind of tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about you and what got you going on this subject. Okay. So, um, like most functional medicine doctors, I was sick, you know, myself, um, I wasn't really sure what was going on, you know, back, if I think back to childhood, I probably had some issues that a lot of other kids didn't have, like some migraines, um, really sensitive to heat certain things. I mean, I would pass out in the heat a lot, which was weird. Um, and just never, no one ever knew, you know, what was going on. So, and then fast forward to college when I was under an enormous amount of stress, I started, um, being, you know, just overwhelming fatigue, brain fog, my hair was falling out in clumps and I was gaining a lot of weight, which I really never had happened before. So after going to, you know, five different doctors that, put me in pieces, no one knew anything um, and told me I was depressed and gave me depression medication, which I did not take. So um, then I found a, it was what we would call functional medicine. Now, back then it was like a holistic, you know, practice with, you know, different types of naturopathic doctors there and nutritionists. um, And so they, they ran a really full thyroid panel on me uh, for the first time. Cause I'd only had my TSH drawn before and it was actually high, but they didn't consider it high because of the conventional lab ranges. So, um, so found out I had hypothyroidism and later I would find out I had Hashimoto's disease, which is the autoimmune, um, thyroid disease that causes hypothyroidism. And, but then they went deeper. They looked at my gut health. They looked at my hormones. They looked at my food, and realized it was all contributing and playing a role to what was going on with my health. And I got a lot better, so much better. The weight fell off. I felt a lot better, but there were still things that lingered, um, that I couldn't explain. I would get these strange, like crawling sensations, especially on my scalp. It would feel like I, like, I thought I had a brain tumor or something. Cause I was like this, why does my head feel so weird all the time? Um, I would just, again, get really tired after I ate. And it would only be after I ate certain foods and, you know, back then food sensitivities was the big thing. Everyone thought everything was a food sensitivity, but, um, it was really the high histamine foods that were doing it to me. So, um, then I started learning about mast cell activation, um, syndrome, which we can get into and histamine intolerance and figured out that that's, that's what I had. So when I started my practice, um, along, you know, it's been like 13 years now, but. I was doing a lot of diabetes and thyroid. And then I started in the past, probably five or so years doing a lot more histamine and mast cell activation syndrome. I mean, really I do everything, but, um, you know, just working with people the way that, that I was helped. So that's kind of my story and how I got here. 
first of all, like how fortunate are you to have actually gone down the correct medical avenue to get the help that you needed? Because how many people do we know out there that just get passed around and it never ends up being something that getting them where they need to go. So first of all, that's amazing. Second of all, it's so incredible how so like so many functional and integrative medicine doctors, they learn how to navigate all of this stuff because of their own health stuff. So it's really a great thing to hear all of that. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a you know, time spent in the wrong places trying to get, you know, figuring out where to go. But, um, I was really grateful to live in Atlanta at the time. And there was just this big place that, you know, it was like, what is this? <laughs> and it was a lot of, um, stuff we do today. So it, it was really, I, I am very, very lucky to have landed there. That's so awesome. So yeah. let's dive into mast cell activation and histamine intolerance and how they are paired and why this all matters. So mast cell activation syndrome is in my opinion, and in most, I think people's opinions, the, the main cause for histamine intolerance, but it, you can have uh, histamine intolerance without having mast cell activation syndrome. So when you have mast cell activation syndrome, our mast cells release histamine. So our mast cells are triggered very easily to release histamine more easily than someone who does not have this. So we may walk by and smell perfume and our mast cells are just going to dump histamine and other inflammatory chemicals. And then what happens is, is you, we also tend to lack the enzyme or enough of the enzymes that break down histamine. So we're stuck with this extra histamine in our body that we, we, it doesn't break down and go away the way it should. So since we have histamine receptors throughout our entire body, we get a lot of symptoms that are very random and people can't figure out. And we have a lot of mast cells that are in the skin area. So that's why a lot of people with histamine issues, you'll see they flush or they get hives or they have some type of dermatitis, you know, eczema. Um, and so, you know, like I said, there, you can have both, or you can just have histamine intolerance, but you, you tend not to have mast cell activation syndrome without a histamine intolerance because those go hand in hand. So Either way, it, it really doesn't matter, to be honest with you. You work on it the same way. Um, and it's hard to, you know, test. A lot of people will, will want to know, how do you test for this? So um, testing for histamine intolerance is really easy. You take, you, I have in my, I have a, a few books. So my first book is the four-phase histamine reset plan right here. So I have in my book a list um, and I have this all over, you know, my Instagram, my website, in all my articles, I list stuff like this, but um, I have a yes, no, maybe list. So the, the best way to do this, sorry, I'm trying to get to it. I should You're have marked good. it, um, <laughs> is to take, so this is that list, right? Okay. So we, so yes, no, maybe. So you would take the highest histamine foods, like fermented foods, citrus, avocado for for a lot of people does this, um, definitely alcohol. Um, and then even like vinegars, you know, you know, um, anything in vinegar. So like olives, you know, that type of stuff, even, um, cinnamon curry powders, you know, so certain spices. And so you eat those, some of those foods for however long it takes. It could be a day. It could be five days until you start to notice 
your current symptoms getting worse or you're getting other symptoms. So let's say you're getting really tired when you eat these, or you're getting a migraine every time you eat them. Chocolate is also one of them. Or, um, you know, you're flushing. Like a lot of people will drink red wine. They're like, why do I flush every time I drink red wine? Or why does my heart race? Uh, so you do that and then you take them away, all the, all the, the foods on the no list away and you see if you start to feel better. And if you do, most likely you have histamine tolerance. You don't have to waste money on a test to find that out with mast cell activation syndrome. There are blood tests and urine tests you can do, but they, they're very, really a pain in the ass, um, because they're just, they're very, um, temperamental, the tests you have to like send them different places and, and they can be a false negative. So I don't always rely on that with my patients. I used to do all that testing for mass activation syndrome. And now I just know, I mean, from doing it for so long, I just know if someone has it. So yeah, that's how you find out. <laughs> all right. So let's kind of dive into this a little, because I feel like a lot of people's response, the first thing they think of, right. When, when you talk about histamine is like Benadryl, that's like the, the mm-hmm. thing, right. That's and like antihistamine. Yeah. yeah. So if you were to experience some of these sy- symptoms and take a Benadryl, would you see improvement from okay, some so of these? Here's, yeah. So here's how this works. Antihistamine medication will reduce your histamine, but it's also going to reduce the enzyme that breaks down histamine. So long-term use is going to make your, it harder for you to do it on your own. So that's why we don't use antihistamines. That, that being said, there are people who are very, very sick with mass activation syndrome, can't eat anything, can't leave their house because they can't smell one thing. And they do need to take um, antihistamines for a little while. Hopefully if they work with someone, they can, you know, get to the root of it and then get off of that. Um, but yeah, you, some, I had to, I mean, when I started, I had to take just Zyrtec. I did not do the whole um, Zyrtec and like Pepsid, you know, H1, H2 blocker thing. Um, but, and then I was able to get off it and use like quercetin and natural antihistamines instead. And then you know, when you heal your gut and you, you work on like estrogen dominance and all these things that can drive this and, uh, gene mutations and all that stuff, then you don't have to take that. But some people will use that Benadryl method as a test method also. But the problem with that is that when you're not used to taking something like Benadryl or Zyrtec or whatever it is, you get really tired. So you may think you're fatigued from and think it didn't work, but you're just tired because you're not used to taking Benadryl. So I don't like that method. I don't think it's, it's work. It's necessary. I think it's really easy to do with just food. So are there some like symptoms that stand out that could help people identify if they may be having a history, a histamine intolerance issue? Yeah. Um, definitely migraines, um, itching, you know, people say, I just have random itching. Like I said, any type of skin issue, it can, you know, and I'm not talking really acne, but more like dermatitis, or you have, you know, um, flaking redness, that type of stuff, or you flush, you know, easily, um, anxiety is really driven, um, by histamine insomnia is because uh, histamine wakes up your brain. So it can make your brain very active, um, and make it hard to get a, you know, good sleep, um, vertigo, um, just 
those are probably the most, you know, well-known, but there's a lot, you know, uh, diarrhea. Some, a lot of people get diarrhea or if you eat and you feel like your ears get full or your nose runs when you eat, it's usually because the food's high histamine and you're not tolerating it well. Um, the other one is, is rapid heart rate. Is that a, is that one? Yes. Um, Rapid heart rate. And you can have low blood pressure and, and some people have high, but it's a lot of, a lot of people with histamine issues actually have low blood pressure, but they'll have a rapid heart rate. Yeah. And that's really interesting. Cause I think long ago, I can't remember what literature it was. I was reading it in, but they're like, oh, well you may be having a histamine response to a food. If you see yeah. your, your pulse raise after eating it, is there any validity to that or is it? Yeah, there is a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's a re- actually really big sign of it, of histamine. Like I said, with, with the wine, but with that being said, alcohol is also a stimulant. A lot of people don't know that. So, um, that can also make your heart race, but it's usually later that that happens when people eat food. A lot of people will eat food and their hearts are tracing and that's, that's a histamine response too. Gotcha. So. So how does this relate to gut health and gut problems because, or vice versa, how do they hold hands with each other? Because I know there's a lot of talk on that now in the biohacking Mm -hmm. field. So the enzyme that breaks down histamine, one of them is made in the gut. So primarily, so, um, if your, your gut's not healthy, you're not making that enzyme enough of it. Um, and so it's, it makes it hard for you to break down the histamine, but also, opportunistic bacteria. So that dysbiosis, you know, that basically good versus bad bacteria. So the bad bacteria produces histamine. So same with like, you know, H pylori, leaky gut, all that stuff makes us um, more inflamed and makes us produce more histamine. So the gut is the first place I look, you know, whenever I work with somebody, I do a GI map test and I immediately work on the gut first. I love to hear that. And that was exactly going to be my question was how do you approach that is gut health. One of the first things that you approach, because I'm not sure if you find this, but I'd be curious to hear if most of your clients, if not many, many of them are suffering from lack of enough stomach acid. And so that has allowed a lot of this, the, the dysbiosis of the gut microbiome. It's so many people have low stomach acid and they think that it's high. And I'm like, you're just, when you take the, the, you know, stomach acid reducing medication, you're, you're allowing so much bacteria into your gut, like bad bacteria. Mm -hmm. So we, we teach people about all that, but yeah, we first actually work with diet, um, while we're waiting on the test results. And then we, um, support the liver because we want to be able to push toxins out if we're going to be killing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and plus, you know, the liver has such a big job and, and people who have histamine issues tend not to detox very well. And that's why they're very sensitive. And you'll see people who are very sensitive to supplements. That's because they're poor methylators. So they don't detox well. So we have to get their body to do all that first. And then we can start killing things. Cause you don't want to go in with like clogged up detox pathways and start killing stuff. And then it's just circulating, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I literally was just explaining all this to a lady yesterday, uh, that was a new client and she has, she's a mess, but she's been taking all of these acid reducers. And then she got in touch with me on a Sunday on my day off. And she was like, 
you know, she does hasn't made any of our meetings yet or anything. And then all of a sudden she's having a crisis. Right. And, and right. I was like, she was telling me about how all these acid reducers and, and well, I'm trying to get rid of the acid. And I was like, no, you need that. <laughs> like, you don't want to get rid of that. You need no. it. There's a reason all of this is going on right now. And so anyway, we had to have that talk. Unlike so many other times where that talk has had to be had. It's so true. People don't know because they're we're, you know, we watch TV for five minutes. You're going to see an ad for, for, you know, PPI. See, so, um, which is a proton pump inhibitor, you know, for those who don't know, it's, it's an acid reducing uh, medication and anyone who has acid reflux, they think that they have too much acid and their doctors are telling them this. And most of the time they're just getting a splash up and they have such little, you know, stomach acid. And it's usually the, the, feeling that they're getting is created from the bacteria and the small intestine usually, but it can be small and large. Um, and that's when you can work with bacteria in the gut, you can get completely get rid of acid reflux. And it's really incredible. So I'm glad that you kind of brought that up because, uh, it's, that's, and you know, it's, it's bad. I think this whole, the, the pharmaceutical push is crazy. I mean, I don't have regular television at home, but we were at a hotel the other day and the kids were watching something and like this ad for medication for thyroid eye disease comes on. I don't know if you've seen that one. And I was like, and then the person, my head just goes, dives down the rabbit hole of why would you do that? why wouldn't you just fix the thyroid problem? That seems like a better plan, but no, they just have, they have a medication for this and a medication for that and one to cover this up. And so I feel like people are just stuck in this constant vicious circle. And the more and more I work with clients, the more and more I find the ones taking the 8 million prescriptions are the sickest ones of all because, and I feel like it's this vicious cycle. Yeah. And they don't feel better. No, it's sad. It is Um, very sad. So you brought up quercetin. I'm sure there's a couple other things. Are there some natural methods that you can incorporate into your daily nutrition or your daily routine as far as your supplements you're taking that could also help with people that are suffering with histamine intolerance? Yeah. So I put everyone on history relief. That's my, um, histamine supplement on my line. Um, but it, you know, quercetin nettle, there's certain things that you can take. You can take quercetin on its own. But when you take it in a blend, it's usually more effective because there's a lot of things working together. Um, you know, you can eat high quercetin foods too. And I do list those in the book, but let's get real. Some things you just have to take a supplement for, you know, you're not going to be bombing red onions, you know, to get this quercetin. So, um, I mean, of course in my, all my recipes, I try to add a lot of high quercetin foods, Um, but yeah, in addition, you should probably take something. And then, um, I always, again, the liver always, I have my, my, uh, supplement is called liver love and it has knack and milk thistle, but it also has a lot of the healing mushrooms and reishi is actually a, an antihistamine mushroom. So it's not the same as like eating mushrooms. People are always like, but aren't mushrooms high histamine? And it's not the same. So that is a really good immune system support plus liver support. Um, So that's what I just kind of like my thing, my two favorite things. And then you can take DAO, um, that enzyme, you can take it in, in the form of kidney. Um, So like bovine kidney, uh, like ancestral supplements, I think carries a good one. 
Um, so I don't take that and I never really did. I have it, but I don't, I never noticed anything with it. I think just working on building up my own DAO and, you know, kind of removing the roadblocks to, to me making it was a better option for me, but for some people, they love it. And that's fine to take that too. Gotcha. So another question, um, how does this relate to autoimmune disease? Cause I find a lot of people suffering from this are also suffering unlike you, like same as you, like yeah. from an autoimmune disease. And I actually also have Hashimoto. So yeah. uh, part of the other reason dive down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> so there's not a lot of research on the two together. And when I was making my first book, I was like, gosh, I know that these two have to be related because I have Hashimoto's and this also, right. Um, but what I did find was with hypothyroidism, you have an increase in mast cells. So when you have an increase in mast cell production, you're going to increase your histamine production. And then with hyperthyroidism, you have an, an increase in um, the receptors, the histamine receptors. So again, you're going to be taking in more histamine. So that's just like direct thyroid. And then um, I, you know, in my opinion, and just with what I can put together, it's histamine is an inflammatory chemical and autoimmune disease is an inflammatory disease. So the more inflammation you're creating in your body, you're going to be more prone to turn on maybe a, a gene that's been sitting there. That's not turned on yet. Like Hashimoto's, you don't, you can carry the genetics to have Hashimoto's and never express it, or you can reverse it with epigenetics and turn it off, you know? So um, when you have these things that are there, you know, the more inflammation we have, the more likely it is to turn on. And also gut health is kind of what ties us all together, in my opinion, because gut health plays such a big role in histamine and such a big role in autoimmune disease. So it's like it, it all kind of, you can see all the little, little reasons why they drive each other and even hormone balance, you know, estrogen drives, um, histamine release. And estrogen also, you know, makes our thyroid more present to the immune system. So when you have estrogen dominance, that's going to affect both. So if you have both going on and estrogen dominance, working on that estrogen dominance and that gut health is going to really help both issues. And then again, that all comes back to the liver too, right? So uh, estrogen yeah, exactly. in the liver. So, so yeah. you have this huge, this huge game with all of these players and they all have these important roles. And if one has to sit on the bench, then we're in trouble. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true. And it's a balance. And I talk about the histamine bucket, um, which is, you can, you can use this with really inflammation as well. And it's really just you know, thinking of a bucket and filling it with nutrient deficiencies, gut infections, hormone imbalance, stress, which is the biggest in my opinion. And then you try to add, and you know, a fermented food on that top of that bucket, you're going to react, but you start working with someone who can unpack all that for you. I mean, you're, you're unpacking it. You're doing the work, but you work with someone who can guide you in that. And then you can start to tolerate these are higher histamine foods again. And, you know, there are certain foods, I'm not going to say that with like gluten, even though gluten's not high histamine, because I just don't think anyone should have gluten. Um, I'm never going to say, yeah, now reintroduce that. I only want you to introduce nutrient dense foods, you know, which, uh, which really a lot of high histamine foods are nutrient dense. So I do want you to be able to eat them again. 
you know, I, that, speaking of gluten, so it was so funny because on Instagram, you posted that thing of you dressed like a piece <laughs> of toast. And I just about died because I was like, why didn't I think of this? This is so funny. If you guys don't follow her, you've got to go follow her because the stuff she posts just cracks me up, especially because I can relate in so many ways. And so, yeah, you want to get a good crack up, just go watch her and her gluten. She's dressed like a piece of toast and talking about gluten. I have such a weird brain. I swear, like these things pop in my head and I'm like, Am I weird or funny? I don't know, but I'm posting this anyway. It's great. (laughs) You keep on keeping on with that stuff because it's so wonderful. It just cracks me up. Thank you. So what are some other things that we might need to touch on that we could have missed here in this talk today? Um, you know, maybe some under other underlying causes of histamine intolerance. So you can have a um, gene mutations, um, which were, you know, a lot of people like Ben Lynch talk about gene mutations and how to support that. Um, but there's, there's different mutations or genes you can have, um, mutations and that may affect you and they may not, but that can be a big, uh, cause of it. But, you know, genes are only about 20 to 25% of how we feel. So, having that doesn't mean you're screwed. It, it really doesn't. So you, you can really support that if that's one of the issues. Um, but you know, there are some vitamin deficiencies too, like B6 is usually deficient in people with, with uh, histamine issues. Um, copper is also, can be a common deficiency with this, but I do not recommend taking copper unless you know you need it. Cause if you, you can also, a lot of people have copper toxicity. So, um, and then vitamin C actually helps to produce that DAO enzyme. So that's, and also vitamin C is a really good antihistamine, um, supplement you can take too. So that, um, you know, irritable bowel disease. So, you know, besides the infections, like irritable bowel disease is actually, um, an underlying cause of histamine issues. Um, and then a lot of medications, like a lot of medications, I give a huge list to my book and it's growing <laughs> because we're finding out more about histamine intolerance, but, you know, benzos, um, you know, the antihistamine medications, but a lot of things that can even sometimes stabilize your mast cells, they can still break down that enzyme that, and so it's just that vicious cycle of, of, uh, break, you know, breaking down your body's own ability to do it itself. How about birth control on that one? I know that it can really heavily affect our gut health. Um, so yeah. I would, I would feel it's hand in hand, but, um, is there any specifics on that? Well, I mean, I think that birth control, the birth control pill is just, there's so many problems with it, right? It disrupts our entire endocrine system. So, and our endocrine system plays a big role in everything in our health. Um, so I think that it's just when you mute your hormones and you give yourself synthetic estrogen, what do you think that's, that has to bind somewhere, right? And estrogen and histamine bind to the same receptor site. So that can really play a big role in it as well. So, you know, you don't want to artificially make your body do anything if you can, if you can help it not to. And then you have the issue of post-birth control syndrome where you're not getting your period. And then all of that. And then, you know, again, it's all relates. So it all go there. I could list probably 20 reasons not to take the birth control pill if you can help it. 
Yeah. And the unfortunate part about that now is parents don't really have a lot of say in their teen daughter's decisions when it comes to that. And so they're getting these girls in a room and they're talking to, you know, promoting it and they're not really listing all of these, the secondary things that come along with it. They're just like, this is great. You should do it. You're, you will have clear skin. You'll have all the things. It's like this, it's really unfortunate because they're not even really getting an informed decision on it. And, and when you're young, you're not thinking about all that stuff anyway. If you're young with acne, all you care about is getting rid of that acne. You would eat shit if it would make you get rid of acne. So you're going to take that birth control pill. And that's when they get you. That is when it's offered. And I'm like, what? Like, and they, and then they, they're like, I didn't know anything. They didn't tell me anything bad about this. They just told me my, like you said, my skin would look great and I wouldn't have a period anymore. I'm like, that's healthy. So yeah, it's, and the, the parents don't even really get it either. Even if they were, you know, it's like, it's not even like they're fighting with them over it. It's like, Oh, good. Yay. Her acne will be gone. My you know daughter will look pretty again. It's like, no, please give more information because we see what happens when you've been taking it for 15 years. We see these girls who can't get pregnant now and that kind of thing. And it's just, we need more information if we're going to be giving out medications. Absolutely. 100%. So you have a new book out. You also have a couple other books. Let's talk about those for a second so that we can, you know, give our listeners some resources. And, um, I will also list them all in the show's notes, of course, but, uh, let's talk a little bit about them and what they are good for and what direction that somebody might be looking if they're looking to get one of these books. I hope you didn't all just see me bend over because I don't know if you're showing the both of us or just you. Both of us. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> um, anyway, okay. This is my first book, 30 Day Thyroid Reset Plan. So I go through underlying causes of the thyroid issues and what to do about that. Um, this is my second book, Four Phase Histamine Reset Plan. If you have a thyroid and a histamine issue, do this book. And then I have 75 Instant Pot recipes coming out in April, April 19th. It's on pre-order right now on Amazon. And the reason I did that is because the, the quicker you cook your food, the less histamine it is. So the Instant Pot is like quick cooking. So and I do go over again, I kind of refresh on what all things histamine in the beginning of the book and then give the recipes. And then because I adore my publisher, but they have a word count I'm not allowed to go over, I made an online program, <laughs> um, the Histamine Reset Online Program that I just released. And that's me giving you all the details. I mean, I have, I think, six to eight modules in there of me explaining all the symptoms that you wouldn't even know were related, um, what kind of water to drink, what cosmetics to use. I mean, every single thing I could possibly think of to inform you on what to do. And I break down how to eat and what phases to do and how to support your liver and what to take and what not to take and everything I could possibly, I mean, literally it took me six months to a year to come up with this program. So I have that too. And it's more of a walking you through. I actually actually go through the testing that I do on everybody. And I show you the testing in the program. Like, what does it look like? What does this mean? What would you do about this? 
Um, and then we have like a Facebook group where you can go in and ask questions and all that stuff too for the group or for the program. So that's what I have so far. <laughs> You've got all sorts of good resources. Where do people find those resources at? Amazon is on my books and in bookstores. Um, my website is drbeckycampbell.com and everything's on there too. My books are on there. My program is on there on the histamine page. I have tons of, of free articles on histamine, but so many other health conditions. Um, I've written a lot. I write a lot. Um, and then Instagram at Dr. Becky Campbell is where I do a lot of, like, I'll ask people for questions and then I'll do a video explaining the answer. Um, and then I, you might see me dress up like a hot dog or bread or whatever and dance a little bit, but, (laughs) and then I also have a podcast. So the health babes podcast, um, and we talk about histamine on there, but we talk about a lot of different things. We have a lot of different guests, just kind of covering the functional medicine world. So that's where I am all over. Well, I love it. Keep doing good things because I appreciate all of you out there in the universe that are trying to put good information out and help everybody get healthier. That's so amazing. Yeah. We need more. We do. We need more people. I feel like there's a movement happening with it. I feel like it's going to get bigger. I know that there's a lot of other factors with traditional allopathic medicine, but I do feel that the functional medicine space is in even naturopathic. All of that stuff is getting a bigger name because people are starting to figure out that that's where they're going to find their real healing at. So true. It's amazing to watch, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So hopefully it continues to grow and people are able to get healthier and have better access to this stuff because that's the other thing, right? Insurance doesn't cover a lot of it. Uh, Everybody's paying out of pocket, which may seem overwhelming, right? But then when in the grand scheme of things, when you think about it and you think about your quality of life and you think about all of the money that you've spent at your, your allopathic doctor on prescriptions and visits and stuff, and you start to actually total it, you're actually coming out ahead when you start to discover what the root causes of your things are and get to the bottom of stuff and feel better. Yeah, for sure. And your quality of life, there's no price tag on quality of life. Absolutely. You know, being able to go do stuff. Uh, Some people can't even plan to go do stuff because they're like, I don't know how I'm going to feel. So just being able to live life and feel good and be happy. I mean, I'd pay anything for that. And that's why I do books and courses. And so I try to make all financial, you know, I'm trying to make it available financially for everybody. So it really, you know, you can work with me, you can take a course or you can get a book. It's all different. I love that. I love that. And that's why I tell people, I mean, people say, well, Hey, I can't afford this or, or you or whatever it may be, but it's really, we are in a place now. I mean, hop on your podcast, hop on mine. There's so many health podcasts out there. At some point, you're going to find something that helps you find your way. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I agree. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for finally connecting. I'm so glad that we can get all of this information out to the public. I will put all of your info in the show notes and I'm so thankful that you joined me today. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me and thanks for listening, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in. For further information about me and my programs, as well as free recipes and other health tips, please visit www.connynightingale.com or find me on Instagram at Connie Begani. 
I want to remind you that any opinions or views expressed in this podcast are their own and that they are not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness or condition. This show is not intended to replace your regular health care. Please consult with your current primary care provider before changing any of your diet, exercise, or medical protocols. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next time.